This is Your Spiritual Game Plan, and I'm your host, Sherry Fletcher. Change. It happens to all of us. You've invested your time and energy into an important role, sometimes for years. Then suddenly it's time for you to move on. Maybe you've worked hard on a dream, and now your path is taking a new turn, but the dream isn't going with you. Perhaps you've raised your kids and they've moved on, but now your empty nest is filled with parent care. Or maybe you're in the middle of diaper changes and laundry piles. If you find yourself asking questions like, where do I fit in anymore? Am I even relevant? How do I find my purpose now? You are in the right place. This is the show for women in a season of transition. I believe that while your roles in life will change, your purpose is eternal. I'm here to help you understand just how intentionally you were created by a creator with a game plan. Through interviews and inspirational guests, we'll discover ways to help you unlock the purpose God's placed in you, develop a game plan for your life's calling, and embrace the intentional masterpiece you were created to be. Today, I am talking with Jill Savage in part two of six things every empty nest parent needs to let go of. Jill Savage is an author and speaker who is passionate about relationships. She founded Hearts at Home, a national organization that served moms for 24 years. Now, Jill speaks to thousands of men and women each year about their priorities, their passions, and their purpose. I hope you were able to listen to part one as today we go on into part two with the last three things that every empty parent needs to let go of. So now we're going to jump into part two. So thanks for joining me again, Jill. Absolutely. It's so good to be with you again. (laughs) So I was listening to a talk show host one day and she told her caller that every time that she took control over a situation for her child, that she was actually robbing her child of a victory. Mm. And that really impacted how I think when I perceive that my kids need my help. Yes. And it's so easy with my experience and my connections and my comfort in the ability that I could just do it and get it done. Um, that to just jump in and do it. But what I'm actually telling my adult child <laughs> is that um, I'm saying that I don't think they can do it and that I don't mm-hmm. trust their ability to do it right or even worse, I might be doing it to prove to them that I'm still needed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was hard to say. So we're going to start off with number four of what we need to let go of, and that is our children's problems. Mm-hmm. So... Am I right in understanding um, that some of our children's problems could actually stem from us not letting go and letting them handle it sooner? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And this is where the moms that haven't yet launched their kids could actually start really beginning to let go. And this is hard for us because it's really hard for us to watch our kids struggle. We want to get in there and we want to relieve them of the struggle, but it is not how they learn and it's not how they grow. You know, um, when my kids were little, we watched, um, well, 
I was homeschooling for a short season and we actually had an incubator with some eggs. Okay. Some fertilized eggs. And we watched those chicks hatch. And the instructions that came with the eggs said, once the chicks start to peck out of the shell, do not help them. Do not even take away a piece of shell. Mm -hmm. And I, I just remember, you know, watching it and it was hard. They would peck for, you know, a couple minutes and then they would stop and they would rest. But what I learned is that pecking was actually strengthening them and it was giving them the strength to actually uh, be able to live life. And that's the same way with our kids. They are pecking their way into independence and they are really, um, you know, it's, it's hard to watch them. They're growing tired. They're weary. They're, um, they're frustrated. Um, they make mistakes. Um, my friend, Brenda Yoder, who wrote uh, also a book on, um, it's called Fledge. It's helping your kids launch. And um, she says, I love the phrase she says, she says, don't steal the struggle. And that's exactly what happens is we steal from our kids when we swoop in and try to fix it. Um, we steal that struggle. And what we need to do is, is let them struggle. So it's hard. It really is. Um, but it's very, very important. And a way that you can begin this um, is um, even in just some responsibility things. For instance, when your kids start driving, I do believe that they need to um, pay for a portion of their uh, driver's insurance. Mm -hmm. uh, even if it's just 10% of it, I don't care. You know, maybe they don't, they don't, uh, have much of a job or, you know, but I, even if they work for a, um, you know, money that you pay them or they work around the house and then they pay a portion of it back, that is a struggle of life. Okay. It is, it's a struggle of life. If your adult kids um, move back in with you for a season of time, I think they need to pay some rent. And it doesn't have to be market value, but it's something that says, hey, where you live costs money. And so you're going to play a part of that. Uh, when our kids get in trouble, um, when they overspend or when they, um, you know, maybe get in trouble with the law. Uh, honestly, one of the best things that we can do is not bail them out. Literally, sometimes that may be the situation, not bail them out. Um, and that's hard for us, but it's important because uh, they probably need to sit in that consequence and feel it so that they can learn from it. Yeah, and that's the hardest thing is watching them sit in it. It is so hard, but yeah, they have to do it. They have to, it's a, it's a gift to them. Yes. It's hard for us, but we have to do it. So, okay. I have to admit when I saw the, the next one on the list, before I listened to your podcast and I saw the six, um, this, this last, uh, this number five, I really had to look at like, what does she mean by that? Cause you said, let go of our idols. <laughs> and so I wasn't quite sure what you were going to say, but, um, I have to admit that I had to take a hard look at my heart on this one yeah. because you mentioned a situation with your son 
And the first thing you thought was, what are people going to think? Yeah. And I think that, I think every parent thinks that, but I, I think that, and then you, you're saying, well, that's an idol of pride. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, wow. So what are some other mm -hmm. idols that we have as parents? Yeah, this is really important because God, because this is where our heart gets really tangled up and um, we become entangled into our kids' success or their failure. And that is not the way that God designed it to be. I mean, I want you to think about it. God has millions of children and they are at all different levels of success and failure and who he is is not entangled into that yeah. right and so in the same way so some of the idols that we struggle with is um we struggle with the idol of worry and it is a why an idol i mean I once heard somebody, I wish I knew who said this, um, I once heard them say um, that worry is the worship of our circumstances. And I was like, whoa, I'm not, I didn't realize I was worshiping my circumstances by worrying, but it really is. So that be, that's an idol. And so that is a place where we really have to, um, and, and as mamas, I mean, it's like we have a, we have a doctoral degree in worry, right? <laughs> and then you add, you know, they're now the, the kids are out and they're away and you still worry. So that's, yeah, that's an idol. Uh, control is an idol. Uh, our need to control, our need to control their decisions, our need to control how they represent the family, um, our need to uh, control uh, how we feel, um, how they make us feel. I mean, all of that just gets all, uh, messed up our identity. Uh, we can completely place our identity in the wrong things and that becomes an idol. So, you know, that moment where you do think, what are people going to think? That's your first clue. That's your red flag. You got the idol of pride you have the, uh, you're struggling with an identity idol in that. Because here's the deal, no matter what your kids do, no matter what they look like, no matter the color of their hair, okay, none of that defines you. Your God defines you. And he is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Now your child's hair color may change yesterday, <laughs> today, and tomorrow. The way they dress may change yesterday, today, and tomorrow. They may have a job you know, had a job yesterday, they don't have one today and they have a new one tomorrow. All of that does not define you. And so we've really, we've got to let go of those idols. Um, because here's the deal. If we don't, if we don't get to this at the heart issue, then we're really going to have trouble letting go of opinions because uh, we can't pray don't say because I'm set to get you to do what I want you to do so I feel good about myself. That is not healthy at all. And no child should be under that kind of pressure. Yeah, that is a lot of pressure. And mm -hmm. um, which listening to this takes me right into the sixth one that you say <laughs> I can let go of and it's really hard because as, as I'm listening to the first five, I'm like, oh, I failed at this. Oh, I failed at that. But you kind of end the, the list with one that's a little bit encouraging, a little bit nice. It's a nice one to try and let go of. And I say try. And that is guilt. 
letting go yeah. of guilt. And it, it, you say that as a layered piece, because uh, we do look back and say, I wish I had, I wish I hadn't, I should have, I shouldn't have done that. And it's like an emotional merry-go-round that I'm on. Yes. And um, so you, you kind of give us a nice pat on the back and say, okay, you need to let go of guilt. But how, how can you encourage us to do that on a daily, on a second by second basis? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you the phrase I really, and I preach this one to myself, I deal with it myself, um, is I have to say I did the best at that time with the knowledge and experience that I had. And that is true. I mean, do, do we all have places where we wish we could go back and do it over again? Oh my gosh, every one of us, because quite frankly, we, we didn't know what we were doing, right? We were making this thing up as we went along. And then we'd have one, if you, if you had more than one child, then, you know, you know, you would think, oh good, I've got this down pat. But then the next child comes along and they have a different personality and they respond to life differently. And so there's different challenges and all of a sudden you're making it up again, you know? So, um, I have to say, I, I did the best I could with the information I had at that time. So that is a place where um, we really need to let ourselves off the hook with that. Maybe sometimes, maybe we realize, you know what, I do wish I'd handled that better. And maybe we need to clean that up with our kids. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with just going to your kids and saying, you know what, when I think back to X, I now wish I had done this. And I just want to apologize for whatever you feel like was, you know, not appropriate or that you wish you could have handled. I, I mean, honestly, that is relationship growing. So own it if you want to own it. Um, learn from it by all means, learn from it, but we've got to let it go. But, uh, you know, it, sometimes it's not even a situation where you wish you'd handled it differently. I just dealt with mom guilt not too long ago. Um, my son had his first baby and the night he was born or the, the night she was born, um, I get a text from his wife, you know, who's like what, four hours postpartum. And um, she sends me this side-by-side -side picture of her baby picture and then their new little four hour baby. And she said, hey, will you send me a newborn picture of Austin? And I was like, sure. <clears throat> I, <clears throat> excuse me, I looked for two hours for a newborn picture <laughs> of Austin. Oh, no. And I just want you to know, Sherry, I, um, yeah, I couldn't find one. And um, still to this day, I mean, I have boxes and boxes of photos, okay, you know, because I raised kids way before we were doing digital. Yep. And so I, I don't know, I, I did find one when he was a couple of months old, but I couldn't find a newborn picture of him. So anyway, his wife, I mean, bless her heart. She was so sweet. She goes, uh, we were later talked and she said, yep. I told Austin, yep. You're number five. Definitely. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so sorry. I <laughs> and I, I felt guilt for that. I really did. I was like, I can't, I, you know, I felt terribly guilty, but then I had to just, here's what I've learned you got to replace guilt with grace. So I had to go, Lord, I keeping track of the 
the photos for five kids. I haven't had time to go through them now that they're all gone. And you know what? I'm going to give myself some grace on that. Yeah. So thank, thank you for the grace that you give me. And I'm, I'm going to take that and I'm going to just apply that to my heart right now. That's so it's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. I, I need to do that too. I have, I have, I don't want to say I only have three kids, but after I listen to your five, I only have three kids and my <laughs> first two, uh, I'm not a scrapbooker. And no. at the time that my first two were born, everyone was doing those creative memories and I try to do it. I just couldn't stand Me it. Me too. I was the same. <laughs> oh, sorry. If anyone likes doing that, I, it's just not my personality. No. Nope. So my, but my, I tried. So my first two have a creative memories album for their first year. And then they have albums preceding that. And they have the baby journals of their first, this, and my third kid has a box. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Yep. That's it. That's the way it is. Yes. But I gave myself grace on that one quite a, quite a long time ago when I said, you know, I'm not going to punish myself trying to put these albums together just so I can have one on my coffee table, like all the other moms. Right. Do it. Right. Um, I want to take a little bit of a pivot or leverage on the same topic and wonder, you know, these are such great points um, for parents in the midst of parenting. Um, those of us that are empty nests, but I think some of these could be applied to some of my listeners that, like you have mentioned, called themselves in a sandwich generation. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they're having to let go of these things with their kids, but now they're, uh, now they're either getting adult, they're getting their parents in their home or they're in charge of care. Yes. How can some, how can some of these same steps help them in this transition? Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's, I, I would say, uh, in, you know, some huge ways, uh, expectations, I mean, let go of expectations, you know, um, my, uh, father passed away just a little over a year ago and he, his health was really failing the last year and a half of his life. And so all of a sudden I was finding myself, um, I, I had, even though all my kids were grown and out of the house, uh, they, they had, uh, you know, they were having babies and I felt like, okay, I need to help them with, you know, their, these new lives. But then my parents were needing me and my parents lived two and a half hours away. So I was feeling like I was sandwiched in between the needs of one generation and the needs of another. Um, and so I really had to, um, I, I had to let go of some expectations first of myself and uh, also letting go of some expectations of my mom or my parents. I saw particularly with my dad, a little bit of role reversal, you know, and that was hard uh, to, to feel like I was kind of, instead of him leading me, I was leading him now. And um and so I think we have to we have to do that. Let go of guilt, certainly, as we um, deal with our parents. Mm-hmm. Um, there may be some places where guilt wants to creep in, and you know uh, that's where I mean, there's always guilt in life because uh, the enemy, the accuser, wants to point his finger and go, "Look, look, you did, you know, you did this or you didn't do that." And so we really have to replace that with grace on a regular basis. Um, 
letting go of traditions, that's going to change as your parents get older. Um, so I think, you know, that is one of the, the beautiful parts of the empty nest, though, is that as you get to a place where your children don't need you as much on a day-to-day -day basis, your parents may need you and you may enter into um, what I call the ministry of availability. And last summer when my dad was not doing so well, I mean, I just kept a bag packed all the time and I would, um, you know, just really quickly uh, be like, okay, I have got to, um, you know, be ready to, at the drop of a hat, my mom would say, hey, he's in the hospital and I just within 15 minutes take off. So, um, you know, sometimes you got to do that. And, um, and that's part of that sandwich generation. Yeah. Thank you for that. Those are such great tips. And like I said, I, I know they apply to empty nests, but they really apply on either end in the middle of parenting and then now switching roles with your parents. And I really think that those six steps are so key in the title of your book, having an empty nest, but a full life. I think yep. those, that's the key to it. So I just want to thank you so much for joining us. And um, every way to get in touch with you is going to be in the show notes. I love your podcast, No More Perfect. Yeah, it's really I'm so glad. Thank you. I'm loving doing it as well. So yeah, um, and I have a whole website just for the Empty Nest book. So emptynestbook.com. So it's the best place to go and just get all kinds of resources. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining me in part two of six things every empty nest parent needs to let go of. Number five is one that really impacted me a lot. Letting go of our idols. I had never thought about it in the way that Jill presented. I would love to hear which one of the six things was the hardest for you to comprehend or the most helpful as a tool to help improve a relationship in your home. If this message blessed you and you know another parent that would be blessed, please share it. And if you missed part one, be sure and go back. You will not want to miss that episode. I would be very grateful if you would subscribe to your spiritual game plan so that you don't miss other great guests. Please leave a rating and an honest review. All of the links for you to connect with Jill and her message will be in the show notes. Ways to connect with me are also in the show notes. I hope you'll be back next week for another great episode of Your Spiritual Game Plan.